This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Jetson's there. Billy did. The goal. Chris Billy Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2, Huddersfield Town. Rupi and Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Stiffer Schindler. A chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Hello and welcome to the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. It's the most wonderful time of the year again, the start of the football season where the hopes, dreams and expectations of every championship fan lay in the outstretched hand of their football club, ready to be crushed by the first final whistle of the first game. Here at Andy Takes That Chance, we always endeavour to offer you the best preview possible with in-depth, insightful and fully researched comments like this from last year's preview. Pause. Last one, last but not least, top six. I can see you writing in your ledger. Uh, Familiar names that we've obviously already mentioned. I think Fulham, Fulham Norwich will be up there. Um <laughs> <laughs> Fulham and Norwich. Nicky, it'll be right. <laughs> Fulham and Norwich. Just a delayed, re- delayed one that wasn't it, mate? Uh, right. So, Pozza, you're back for this preview. Uh, you've even been researching and scribbling notes in your ledger in order to revenge or avenge the, uh, last year's predictions. Uh, good evening to you, mate. You okay? Yeah, not bad, mate. Enough. Good. Um, Poz finds himself sandwiched between a trio of mats this evening. A big welcome back to the podcast to a man whose eyes are as sharp as the Clippers are at G27. It's West Yorkshire Sports match summariser, Matt Glennon. You okay, mate? Good evening. Nice to be back. And making his debut today, we've got a former TalkSport man and co-founder of the Ball Street Network. It's Matt Wilson. You okay, Matt? Yes, mate. How are you doing? Good, 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 good. Uh, Right, guys, let's get straight into this. 
Uh, Carlos Corbran is at the helm for his second full season. Uh, having won only three games of the last 25, does he start under a little bit of pressure, do you think? Or is it a case of a new season and a clean slate? And I'll go to you first, Mr. Glennon, because uh, you sat there and saw uh, the last season, didn't you? I did, yeah. Uh, obviously, we did, we did the end of the season stuff we've talked about as well, which 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 wasn't great. Beginning of the season last year was excellent. There were some magical moments in some of those games last season. But yeah, he's under pressure. He's definitely under pressure. We know Phil Hoskinson won't mess about if he thinks it's not going right. We're talking, God, mid-October, November. If that style of play is not there, if the intensity is not there, if the new signings aren't doing what they've been brought in to do, if the goals are still flying in at the back and not at the front, then yeah, he's under pressure. Like like everyone, like everyone. Like you, Matt, today with your technical stuff, massively under pressure, you know what I mean? Just hopefully town season will start better than... You know what I mean? As we've done uh, on the pre-show. Everyone, uh, no one's party to that, so I'm going to deny everything. Uh, Pause, Matt. Uh, do you want to jump in? What do you think about um, the season so far for Carlos? He's had a tough, a tough year last year. Pause. There are probably many arguments to say that he probably didn't get uh, everything that he maybe needed uh, to uh, to make the transition from uh, Cowley Ball to Carlos Ball. Let's say. Uh, how do you think? Um, how do you see uh, Carlos's position and it and it going? It's a tough one. I think I, I agree with Matt, what he just said there. I think he's, he comes in under pressure before the ball's kicked, really, which is not a great position to be in. Um, we don't have the, the best fan base for looking at a bigger picture of a seal town sometimes. It tends to be what happens on the pitch. Is the be-all and end-all, um, which is which is it is really, isn't it, I suppose, for a lot of people. So I think he's got a lot of circumstances that are not really helpful. Um, his transition from Leeds United to Huddersfield Town. Will they be taken into consideration um, if we get off to a bad start? I know we're going to come on to transfers and stuff like that um, a little bit later on. But to me, he's got to get off to a good start. He got off to a good start last time. Uh, it was sort of around about, well, it was just New Year, wasn't it, where we, we didn't really kick on from, from where we got going to. Um, so yeah, I do think it starts under a little bit of a pressure simply because of the end of last season. I think if you take last season as a whole and mix up the results from you know before Christmas and after Christmas, it's probably not as bad. But because we did have a bad running, I think yeah, it does start under pressure. We've got to hit the, the ground running, especially if we get to play that match at Derby, given their circumstances at the moment. If you don't get a result there, you know already you know, now against their youth team, yeah. Because mm, obviously, Matt, there's, exactly. there's it could be a blessing that match, and it could be a, you know not a blessing because if you go there and don't get even a point, then you know people are going to be out for him immediately. You say, Matt, uh, Matt Wilson, the um, the Derby game comes up first. You know, it's probably a good time to play Derby, but after that, we've got Fulham, we've got a Preston team that we never ever beat, uh, and uh, Sheffield United away, and Reading, one of the teams up there, and, and Stoke after that. So it's it's. It's not the easiest of starts. Uh, how do you how do you view the position itself going in? And obviously, we're not here in, on a witch hunt or anything. You know, it's just a, a valid question given the uh, the run that we had at the end of last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the you know what Matt and Paul said is right. I think that he that there's gonna he's gonna be under pressure, and, and I think what Paul said about the fan base, uh, true. I, I think that you know town fans have been pretty churned up sort of since the Premier League. I haven't quite got over that. And I, I think that they're quite um, um, quite negative and, and any sign of like, like quite, almost 
too easy to, to judge a little bit. So I actually don't think he should be under the pressure. Um, I, I saw a lot last year that, that made me feel positive. I was quite willing to dislike the guy coming from Leeds. You know, I was really happy to dislike him. Um, and I felt personally that, that the Cowleys had shown a lot um, actually, and it's kind of turned round a, a real sinking ship that was just falling, and just to stop that momentum uh, was was quite a lot, you know. Um, so I, when the change to, to to Carlos, I was a little bit disappointed, um, but I saw the, the green shoots of something, and we were playing with a squad that really wasn't up to it, you know. And I think there's still a few people within that squad that are kind of were signed to the Premier League and are, and are pissed off and did, didn't really sign for Huddersfield Town, signed for the Premier League and probably a bad apple. So given what he was dealing with, um, you know, both in terms of the fan base, some of the players and actually the fact that we didn't have a full squad um, and we had quite a few injuries, especially defence, I, I thought we did quite well. So I'd like to give him time because I think that there's enough to, I've seen enough to, to feel that if he's able to bring in the full squad, uh, you know, and, and add what he wants, I, I think that there could be something quite nice to come out of it, really. Well, say, Matt, it's, it's interesting, well, because obviously the Cowley sideline, quite a lot of players just said, no, done. Your Congolas, your dear Carbage and Benzers. But the problem that Carlos had was he had to bring them back in again because there was no players. He had no players. Everyone was injured. Everyone was on the sidelines. I mean, lack of form. And he had to bring those players and those bad apples you talk about. And we all know who they are. We all... We all, you know, I mean, we've, we've said it many a times and I don't mind saying it over Van and over again. But yeah, to, don't you bring Van Lepara up. <laughs> hey, I'm on a good day with a nice Sunday league alone. But uh, he, he had to bring them in. He had to use them. Fortunately, <laughs> and Benza decided, I've got a year left of my contract, so I'm going to pull my finger at my backside and I'm going to work because I need another big paycheck somewhere. So that worked out quite well for him. But the rest of it was just big earners. who just, as you say, not in, not interested at all in his... It's horrible, horrible to watch us, especially as an ex-player as well, and knowing mm. just yeah, well, they are stealing a living. But like organizationally, when you've got like a toxic workplace, it's yeah. a very, very difficult thing to turn around. Any workplace. Yeah, mm. any workplace. And I think that like I don't know if you ever played in a dressing room that was was like that, but I can imagine if you're a manager and you've got to accommodate people, like you say. It's very hard to kind of get people to buy into ideas and, and, and to kind of create that, that dynamic and collective responsibility. You can have you can have a toxic player who scores 25, 30 goals a season and gets you to the Premier League or gets you out of relegation because you don't care. You know he's a little prick, but you're not bothered because he, he's, he's, he's dragging your team to where it needs to be. But when they're actually not performing and also toxic atmosphere as well, that's when the problems lie. When you've got your big hitter who's on £10,000 a week, £20,000 a week, more than everyone else, but every week he does it. Every week he's the star player, but he's a git. You don't care. It's when that star player who's on all this money turns around and goes, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to wander around. Brookie doesn't have to wash my shirt because he's no sweating it. Straight back on the rack. And uh, yeah, that, that's when real problems come into a changing room. Mm. Absolutely. And I, I, I agree with you all. I, I want to see Carlos do well. I'm, I'm bored of changing managers yeah. so often. I like the style of play that he brings in. I think sometimes we were maybe before the Birmingham game, we were a little bit naive. And then again, at the end, we were a little bit, a little bit pressed in a way spring, you know, springs to mind where, you know, people just engaged in the wrong areas one-on-one -on -one and left us so open at the back. But I think there are, there are aspects there of him learning. And I'm hoping that 
uh, next year, you know, will develop and Carlos will be with us for, for the long run. Uh, the only thing, the only thing that I have is that if we lose as the first three games, or we don't get off to a good, you know, a, a winning start, people will be saying it's three wins in 28 rather than not in three. And then that ramps up a different kind of pressure, doesn't it? Uh, for Carlos, but um, all of us, hopefully, Wish him, wish him well on that one. So the question is, guys, does Carlos Carbran, ha- Carbran have the tools to success uh, to be successful? Um, we'll do a little bit of squad analysis and delve a little bit deeper. Uh, six players so far have come in, uh, with thirteen leaving. Uh, Reese Brown's returned from loan, so again, you know, you can class him as as maybe uh, someone who's come back into the first team squad. Uh, we think probably, or I think probably, Carbran will most likely go back to a similar system than what he did last year. Uh, whereby it'll be a 4-1-4-1 system unless the opposition have two strikers and then we will see a, an extra defender going in at the back with a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3. Um, defensively, last year we conceded the most goals in the championship, which cannot be repeated. Uh, it doesn't look as weak down there this year. Uh, so if we repeat that next season, I'm afraid it'll be a long, a long, long one. Um, so the defence certainly needed a rethink. Uh, Matt, uh, goalkeepers, uh, uh, your expertise... Um, Allegedly. Allegedly. The fact that we haven't gone with a number one shirt caused a little bit of consternation. Uh, and, no. uh, a little See, bit I've got of, a great uh, story. I've got a great on. story about this. So, uh, when I signed for town, obviously, G27 is my shop. My goalkeeping academy, I, I wore it in the Scottish Prem. I, I had it at Bolton, my 27 as well. So I, I came in and said to Jack, oh, look, I don't want the 27 shirt. I don't, I don't want the one shirt, sorry. I'll number 27 hours of it. So Paul Hoopka got the number one shirt. And he thought he was playing. He thought he was standing. <laughs> and I knew I was going to be playing. So we went to a beat there. Uh, and we, you played two games. We played one against Swindon, one against the, the, the Spanish waiters. Now, Rabs used to speak to me and was, was quite nice and stuff because he thought he was playing. And then he named the, uh, the team to play against the Spanish waiters. Rabs played, never spoke to me again. So the old, the old one shirt now uh, is, doesn't mean anything. And I, sp- I, I speak to Ryan Schofield, you know what I mean? Other goalkeepers and stuff like that. Yaskalainen, and I think used to wear twenty-two at Bolton when we were there as well and stuff. So you, you pick your numbers now. Ryan has his number. I'm sure that you mean the new lad who's coming, Lee Nichols, has got his number. That's why he's picked what he wears. So squad numbers now. It's it's totally irrelevant, and people are reading so much into it. My goalkeepers in my academy. Are, Matt, there's no number one. That means someone's coming in. No, it doesn't. It means they pick the shirt. They pick the number superstition or they just like it whatever else so uh yeah i think that's a a bit of a, a non-starter the red herring one. shall we say yeah 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 i, I, I think I, so too there has been a bit too many rumors for me though uh with the lad who's now gone to forest oh, the American Harbath, yeah yeah and then you've got another lad premier league one sometimes i think it's just agents jumping on mm. you know and trying to get their players moves to different clubs i'll be very disappointed if if Ryan Schofield doesn't start the season because I think he deserves to. So uh, I, I don't think the number reading in the number one shirt is a is a is really a big question. And obviously, you're going to say you've answered my question there. Who you would start? So Ryan Schofield, I yeah, think Ryan okay. will get the nod. Uh, I think he had a a tough time at points last year, but yeah, I think yeah. people forget some of the saves that he made as well. He made some great saves, yeah. uh, and he's young, developing, and the club have got a lot of faith in him. They brought him know, through. They brought him through. Well. They've got to give him a chance. They've got. They brought him through there. If anyone's going to get subbed, it's going to be Paul's anyway. He's having a nightmare with that, that, that phone, whatever he's doing there. But anyway, uh, yeah, he deserves to start the season. Again, he's under pressure, though. He's under as much pressure as Paul's with his, with his phone and his Wi-Fi. But no, he, he, like, like Colbran, 
Ryan's under a bit of pressure, but he's got to handle it. Professional yeah. footballer, he's played plenty of games now. He needs to start well, and he'll keep his place. I felt um, I felt for him a little bit last year because I see it like again, right? I mean, I um, I like to see the youth come through, and and I like it when it's a player that's developed. I'll, I'll get behind him more than I would, you know, like a loney from from United's kind of like. Um, rubbish is what it seemed because he didn't even sort of. I don't know why. Pereira did really well. Pereira. <laughs> it was only eleven goals in two. Eleven games. in two, yeah. <laughs> what, what waste of a uh, of, of a loan, yeah. But the um, like with Schofield, you could see bits where you were like, oh, he looks like he's kind of going to develop really well. But then there were other parts where almost wasn't playing his size. Uh, I think the whole like for me that the start of a good. The defense. Uh, so I watch a bit of American football. Someone say defense. I mean, the defense comes like the keepers are part of that. The way that they communicate, and you've got to like be a, almost like an alpha male and command that area. And like on crosses, there was a lot. Like for me, there's a lot of places that are quite fundamental to a goalkeeper. Where I'd like to see him kind of really grow. Do you think that that's coachable? Do you think that's something that comes with? Uh, you know, with age and experience, or do because I look at that and think mm, I'm not sure he's, he's got it. A little bit of both. It also comes with a relationship with your back four as well. Well, I think I, I like Navizar. I think Navizar did great. But he's got a rick in, like we know. He's got concentration issues. Richard Keogh did all right, not as bad as everyone thinks. But I say him again, he'll switch off or he'll. Ryan will come for a cross. He gets his head out of his hands. They make a decision which kills him when he's maybe tried to command his area. I mean, there was a couple of instances where the ball should have been hit the near post and it's on top of him straight away. He's got no reaction time. Yes, there's definitely room for improvement with it, with his crossing for Schofield. But I think sometimes it was circumstance and also the lads in front of him were a bit edgy at times. I don't, I don't think that helps. It changed a lot, didn't it? The, the back flight. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, yeah. people getting injured and having to move around and... Um, Navizar could change within within a game fifteen times. He goes from the best player in the world to my God, why is he? Why does he own a pair of football boots? We used to you know call, I mean? we used to say uh, we used to either call him Nabi Moore or Gordon Tuxa. Uh, I don't know if you'll get the reference to that, but Gordon Tuck is probably the worst centre back to play for Huddersfield, and Bobby Moore obviously. And he used to flip between the two. And and to be honest, yeah. Navizar made as many saves on the goal line as what anyone did last year. Scored goals. Scored <laughs> yeah. goals. Most um, minutes, yeah. Yeah, so with Ryan, do you think part of it, because I, I look at Ryan and I don't know him, obviously, uh, you do, Matt. Um, he, come, he strikes me as a really nice guy, a really sort of personable, nice nice lad. And do you think maybe with, with goalkeeping, maybe there's times where he's a bit too nice and he just needs no, to maybe come through someone and, and do it? No, he's got a no? snap in him. He's got, no, he's, he? got a snap in him. Yeah, he's got a snap in no, him. You can, hear him on the, you can hear him having a go. You can hear him saying stuff. As I say, I think... That relationship between him, hopefully, if he starts, and that back, that, that maybe the two in front are the most important ones, the two in front, and maybe Jonathan Hogg as well, who, who gets involved in that six-yard box. They need to know he's either coming or he's not. Are you a goalkeeper that commands your area, or are you a goalkeeper that allows your six-foot-five centre-halves to head everything? Then we go back to Paul Hooper again. Good shot stopper, great kicker of a ball, never came for a cross when he went to Blackpool. They got promoted to the Premier League. You know, he did great because his two big centre-halves just headed everything. So they knew he wasn't coming, so they never expected him to come. So Ryan's got to decide in between the team, they've got to say, right, are we going to be a team that's going to be dominated by the goalkeeper coming or are the centre-halves going to deal with things? It's that relationship and hopefully the pre-season they've got those things ironed out with a new lad, obviously, that's coming, Levi, that's coming from, uh, from Chelsea. 
I was going to say it's been a bad, bad podcast for Paul Rohubka so far. Yeah, I don't know if he'll come on for our cult hero series next year. He's had a panning map, but never mind. It's great to you just don't care anymore. You can say what you want. Pause. What do you think of Nichols? Then uh, we'll bring you into the goalkeeping situation. Nichols, we we think that. Um, Nichols last year didn't play much for MK, but we think that was more to do with a contractual issue, uh, rejecting a contract uh, 12 months ago, rather than him being replaced because he wasn't good enough uh, for MK Dons. Um, you look at his highlights video, his penalty record's obscenely good. Uh, that was you know, as good as Matt, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> three, three, tell, you can tell us about that three-in-one game again, Matt. I've mentioned that before, didn't yeah. I? I mentioned maybe, maybe. If, was it crew? Uh, was one it crew? game, you know. We still got beat. <laughs> yeah, still conceded three, but never mind. Three penalties. Two. <laughs> go on pause uh lee nichols what do you reckon to this uh we, we've we're going and we'll, we'll talk about the whole situation actually because last year we went with three we've gone with three goalkeepers for a while even under the wagner there was uh luke coddington he was the third choice um we've only got two at the minute uh Giusu Bellagambi has been given a squad number as well i don't know if that's um relevant to to the situation uh he's you know he could potentially see himself as number three how do you see the goalkeeping situation and, and the signing of Lee Nichols? What have you made of that so far? Because you went to Southport and you stood behind him, didn't you? I did, yeah. And I'll, I'll just repeat that for anyone else coming to chair. Yeah, I did attend the match. So <laughs> we can get rid of that joke now because, you know, I'm back. Um, but, yeah, um, I think I agree with, with what Matt's saying um, in regards to Schofield. I think his shot-stopping ability is, is, is decent. Uh, the stats proved that last year. And I think the thing that did let him down was Maybe a bit of a lack of communication and being that light in the box, but given you were playing behind different players every week or on a regular basis, at least you can see why that he might not have been comfortable. Um, young people coming up, um, you know, sort of shouting at people and, and telling people what to do. And as you say, I went across the South Block, obviously, not much atmosphere going on, and you could hear players talking. And Nichols did not stop talking for literally a minute one to minute two. In fact, my little boy, when he kept he kept asking why it's keeper so angry because he's not he's not doing all, but he's just shouting at everybody. And uh, his communication was second to none. And if that helps Schofield and brings him on, then you know that's that's fantastic. And I think Nichols will push Schofield more than any other keeper that we had last year. Um, when you're playing, if you know that you're comfortable in your position, um, keepers don't tend to rotate around that much anyway. So if no one's really pushing you. You know, you, you've you, you've really got that little bit of safety net, um, so I think it's a good signing. I think, as you said, didn't play much for MK Dons, but could that be because they knew we were on his way out and they wanted to get something else in to you know give them experience or whatever? But I think Nichols will be at the signs that we've made. You know, a good one. If he plays, he didn't seem to be a bad keeper. If he don't play and brings Rice Schofield on as well, then you know he's doing a job there. So I think if you were to ask me now, I'd probably say yes, Schofield number one. Uh, with Nichols pushing him as, as far as he can go all, all the way. So they seem to get along pretty well in warm up and that, you know, they're having a bit of banter and stuff. And we're interested in you talk about a number one because normally when they're about to warm up, you know, one keeper kind of gets the full wall up and another keeper just kind of takes the shot. They seem to do it 50 50. So I'd imagine it is something that maybe still be up in air at the moment. Is it, I think it is, you know, so positive. I think he's keeping his, his cards very close to his chest at the minute, uh, Cole Brandon, and say, I'll be. I'll be disappointed and I'll be mentioning it as well. But with it being a cup game, the first game of the season, it was the first game of the season last year, I think, I remember as well. So there was different different changes in the team before the first game of the season. So I don't think we'll have a massive clue who's going to start against Derby when we see Sheffield Wednesday 
on Sunday. You should do. It should be a full eleven to give him a competitive game before you start the season against a hopefully a very weakened Derby team. But I'm not sure we'll see. You know what I mean? Any real inklings who's going to start that first game of the season? It's a strange one now they've moved that game forward because it was on TV. Yeah, well, in some respects, I was thinking. To, I'm thinking to myself, does Corbyn already know his eleven? Because he had two games lined up on the Saturday, didn't he? He had Merrick Crew and Oldham. So if he was still a little bit indecisive, he probably would have used those two games to, to try and nail down who his first eleven would have been. So the fact that he, that we've you know agreed to move the cup game forward, does he already know or does he not? It's a funny one, isn't it? I think it's good to have a competitive game before the competitive league matches. That makes sense. It gets you right frame of mind. But, um, does he know his first eleven already? You don't know, do you? Let's move on to the back four as well and, and have a look through. So last year, 71 goals conceded in 46 games. That was our record in the championship, which was obviously way too high. I don't think anyone's going to disagree on that. Um, last year, I think what what killed us really last year, guys, was uh, the lack of depth. You know, we look at the left back when Harry Toffolo got injured. He had that back injury. You know, Carlos didn't trust Jaden Brown to step in for him. So we saw Pippa playing across there, Lewis O'Brien. Uh, Dwayne Holmes at one point was playing left wing back. You know, it was... You know, and we've we've brought in Josh Ruffles to cover that. Uh, Jaden Brown has gone to Sheffield Wednesday, and you know, watch him have a stormer on that Sunday against us. Uh, we've got Matt's favourite Nabisar uh, at the back. Romani Edmonds Green has got one full season with us under his belt, so should hopefully improve going forward. We've brought in Matty Pearson, who looks uh, a very solid, rugged, uh, industrial, industrial kind of centre back. I think Matt. Yeah, I played at Halifax Town with Matt. He was midfielder when uh, we were there and brilliant. If you think Jonathan Hogg. Hits people. Wait to see a mighty person. A mighty person actually complains at the person he kicks, but they don't get up quick enough. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's the nice. He is a lovely, lovely lad. But my God, does he hit people? And he and he blames them for for landing on his boot. It, it'll be their fault that they've landed on the end of his boot. Yeah, he oh should have God. got out of the way. Yeah, but he's a, he's a good lad. He's a solid player. He's someone who you would never. Walk off as as fans as uh, media. You, I will never say once, and I can guarantee this: that my person's lost something on the, in the changing room. Always, hundred percent. Everything he does is, you know, what I mean, personally. You know, he's got personal pride in his performances, and he wants to do it for the team. And it, you'll see, he's a, he's a nice lad off the pitch, but he's a little angry man on it. But he's he's a good lad, and he's uh, I, I, I was it brought a little smile to your face when I saw this signing because he's worked hard. And when he dropped down to the conference with, with Halifax, obviously I was late 30s, he was starting out again. And he's built his, he's built his way up there again. And you know what, really proud of him. And I'm uh, looking forward to slaughtering him in uh, a few games this season. <laughs> Excellent. That so, Matt, here, though, you want that as a so you yeah. need center half that's an alpha male again. Someone that people are a little bit intimidated by. You saw like Italy, the value of that kind of presence in the middle. But I'm really excited about Levi Colwell, uh, however you pronounce yeah. that. Like, yeah. he, from the little bits I've seen, um, he just looks like different. You know, he, he looks like I think, as you describe a defender as a Rolls Royce, that's what he kind of looks like. He's going yeah. to be. And I'll be honest, when they signed him, although I was, I, I, I looked at him and thought, well, he looks amazing, and I like that kind of quality. But I do also think we do have Naby Sarr. You know, we do have. Uh, Critchlow, I, I really like the thought of playing our own in a way and, and playing Critchlow. So maybe the, the use of a loan from a Premier League team with someone that's kind of got good potential could have been used higher up the pitch for us. Somebody, you know, like a, a Smith Rowe or, 
you know, someone that's maybe going to add a bit of creativity in that final third. I, I felt like we were quite strong at centre-half. Um, but, you know, I, I guess if he comes in and, and, it, and it's him and Pearson, uh, if they're doing four, then then that looks like we're going to be improved from from last year, which is a good thing. I think Mike played at right back, I think, as well. So pause. I think Mike Pearson played a little bit right back as well, didn't he? And obviously, they do sometimes play three at the back as well. So there's options there for everyone. But... I know we're going to get into the later on who's going to come through the youth team, who's going to come, younger players. I felt Critchlow and Edmunds Green to an extent as well weren't weren't quite there. There just was something missing. There was that physical, a little bit of pace, a little bit of the game. It's kind of physical for me with Romani. There's a couple of times he allowed himself to be brushed off. Yeah, there's a streetwise element to that. Yeah, um, yeah, there is, yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. But you learn through playing games, obviously, don't you? You learn yeah. through playing games. But I just felt... Uh, Matt goals conceded. There was just a little bit of naivety a few times with what was going on on the pitch, and people like to point at Nabizar because he's not one of their own. He's not going there, and they get a little bit of an easy ride at times from well, Oggy anyway, not me, but uh, yeah, they get they get a bit of an easy ride at times, and I just felt it was just I don't know, just a few percentage points missing, and hopefully, you know, in big preseason, another a year into their professional career, they might uh, step up to what we expect. And it, there's big things expected of Romani as well. I think they've, they've tagged him as a potential future captain, haven't they, over there? So, um, you know, hopefully, hoping for a big season from him. Outgoings, uh, Richard Keogh, I can't say I was too too fussed about that. I know, Matt, you thought he was okay. I, I wasn't a big fan. Uh, okay is not good enough, though, Matt. Yeah, no, well, yeah. exactly. Okay is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Me, me, Curry have made tonight's okay. You know yeah. I mean? it's, not, it's not brilliant, but, yeah, I'm not going to make it every week. Yeah. No one's going to pay for it, that kind of thing. Uh, Richard Stearman. <laughs> oh, Richard Stearman. <laughs> Richard Stearman, I thought was was okay, but he always had that error in him. He's, he's left as well, and could potentially turn up a derby on the first game of the season. Uh, and Tommy Elphick as well, sort of a, more of a forgotten man of eighteen months, has, has left the club. Uh, right back is is interesting because uh, D'Amico Dehaney's gone, uh, a player that I wasn't overly fond of either. Um, yeah. Pippa uh, is currently in rehab at the minute for a, a groin. Uh, hip issue, so hopefully we'll see him uh, on the field sooner rather than later. But Ollie Turton's a really interesting one. Uh, he's made over 350 appearances for Crew and Blackpool in the bottom two tiers. He's moving into what you would class as his prime years now, Ollie Turton, whereby he's um, he's looked quite strong for Blackpool last year. He's very different to Pippa. You know, he's more of a defender, a defender's right back, if you like. He can play on the right side of a centre back, uh, defensive midfield, and uh, more of a defensive right back. But it's an interesting one, guys, isn't it? Because um, whereas on the other side, Ruffles looks like a like-for-like Toffolo replacement in, in the way that he plays. Turton's very different, and we've gone with a smaller squad this year. So the Turton one I find interesting because I look at that and I think, okay, we've we've let more players go than have come in, but players like Ollie Turton, I look at it like Martin Craney. When Martin Craney was there during the Wagner years, uh, he could play right back, he could play centre back, and he could fill in here and there, and more of a sort of a plug and play. And I think this could actually be quite a smart move. But they actually play games, Matt, as well. That's the difference. They yeah. actually play, they've got good numbers. You know what I mean? 300, over 300 appearances, mm. 50 odd games last year, 40 games the year before. You know I mean, four years at, I mean, Blackpool, and uh, you see Ruffles, 257 appearances for, for Oxford over like, only, what, four, what, five, six year period. You know what I mean? So good numbers. Instead of this constant injury, I've got a little niggle, oh, my, my groin's hurting, all this and that. I'll, I'll play next week, I'm fine. We've got players in who I think will maybe go through the pain barrier a little bit more. I'm quite obviously it's just it's a Sunday evening, somebody polite, not quite as delicate 
as some of the prima donnas that came in the Premier League and we'll, we'll get through a 90 minutes with a little bit of pain, go to the next game, you know what I mean, uh, and, and play again. And I think that's what Town have needed because I know uh, Pritchard alluded to the fact that he wasn't always injured when uh, he, he wasn't picked. I know he did that little piece. But I think there's too many times where players made themselves unavailable for games when I think they could have played. Mm, and I think sometimes a good point as well, Matt, is that players maybe overplayed when you could have done with a Turton or a Ruffles just to rotate them. And maybe that led mm. to longer-term injuries for the likes of Toffolo and Pippa, who, who suffered in the second half of last year. Um, moving into midfield then. So defensive midfield's nailed, nailed down, isn't it? Jonathan Hogg, new contract, captain. He's going to start when he's fit. Uh, which is harsh maybe on Alex Vaiko, who is actually a really decent player. He's someone, Matt, who I, I think I was talking to uh, Matt Wilson about on, on WhatsApp via uh, the Euros. You know how there's certain players that you get an, an impression of on TV that do certain things. But when you actually then in the stadium, you see a completely different picture. And I've obviously not seen Alex Vaiko in a stadium, but I've just got this feeling that his football and intelligence and the positions that he takes up in that defensive midfield and then finds passes, uh, he'll he'll actually he's actually a far better player than maybe what you realise on TV is, is where I'm going with that one. Yeah, he is he is a nice player and he's he glides through the game as well. He glides through the game nicely. He, he he's another one who's in the same sort of mould as these players we're talking about. These English players we're talking about he seems to get on with it. You know what I mean? He got kicked a few times. He he, he put the hard yards in during the game as well. On the eye play, you don't get to see that. That's what I was, what I was saying to Matt before before we came on, about the fact where the eye play doesn't show you everything, doesn't show you the subs, doesn't show you the game. I like to talk about what's going on when the ball's not there. You know, you know I couldn't do that when I'm sat in the studio watching eye play, but when I was in the stadium, Vejo, yeah, he, he he's, a, he's a nice player. He's got a nice touch on him. He's got a pass. He's got a bit of vision. Uh, and hopefully we utilised him maybe a different kind of position this year because I wouldn't want to see him just be a when when Jonathan Hogg is injured type player. I'd like to see him on the pitch at the same time and maybe doing something else. About you guys, pause, Matt. Have you guys what have you made of, of Alex Baker and, and Scott High as well? You throw Scott High into that position. He sh- he showed uh, good energy at the end of last year and he started preseason quite well as well. So we're quite well stocked in that that area. I think it's an interesting one because I actually, you know, what I said about. Won't repeat because I don't want any more hate mail to come through about Johnny Hogg and his contract. But it's interesting, you know, just going back to the defence. And if you were playing Sar Pearson and, and Colwell, you know, as a three, could is he a place for both in front? And then you Pippa and Topolo as you know more forward thinking. So in that sort of little space, you know, you're back to running front. You know, you could almost have that as a five or a three, depending on on how you set up. And I think it'll be good to have a bit of competition in that particular area. Um, you know, you're spining your team. The 18-yard box is always one of the most important areas you know, to protect. And if you've got Jonathan Hogg and Alex Laeo playing, you've got Hogg that can do a little bit probably more tackling. But then something that I always think that lets Hogg down is his distribution. So if you've got somebody there with him that can that can distribute, it's almost all win it, you pass it kind of thing. Obviously, then you've got to look at your back your back line and rejig that maybe a little bit but he has got options in there now as uh, as Carver and it'll be interesting to see to see how he sets up I know we're looking at squad and it's limited in numbers but there is this competition for places sort of now creeping in a little bit which which is only a good thing I think we'll be a little bit more I know we're going to come on to forward thinking players you know after this but 
if we can be a little bit more solid at the back and not concede as many, it gives you that chance. I'm not suggesting, you know, that we're not going to concede lots, but what it's 71, did you say, Matt? If we can, you know, get that down by 10, 15, it gives you a fighting chance with your, with your forward line as well. So I think it'll be interesting. And again, it's a little bit like the key situation there for me. If either of them were on the team sheet at Sheffield Wednesday or nailed down as, you know, first choice, then you're looking at that and thinking, I'm not too bothered which one plays. Uh, whereas some positions it's, it's definitely player A, not player B that you want. So again, it's it's good options for him and good competition for players, which can only be a good thing. If, if I'm if I'm going to war, then I want someone like Johnny Og with me, right? Because he's he's gonna die. He'll take a bullet for you. He's that kind of guy. But there's something when you're trying to play football, and and it looks like Carlos is trying to play football. Like there's something about Johnny Og that just for me slightly goes against what you're trying to do. And, Transition and, from back to front quickly. Yeah, like, yeah when you go sideways and back. Yeah. pedestrian, like, often just kind of turns into trouble. And I think vulnerable in, in the press. I think we saw that a lot in, in the Premier League as well. Like, it, it's tough though because there's times when you're you are in a fight and you look and you think the amount of times that Johnny Ogg's the one that gets you out of your seat and you're like, yes, go on, Oggy, you know, because he's kind of putting that foot in and and pressing and hopefully like lifting the tempo of everybody. But yeah, I, 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 I was kind of probably hoping quietly that, that maybe he would move on and we might sort of start to find like a, a kind of a, a new person that, that, that might sort of fill, you know, fulfill that role. Um, so yeah, that's something I do worry about a little bit with, with, with Hogg and, and with him within the team. And for me, it's almost like it limits what you're actually able to do and it, and it has an impact on everything else when that ball isn't kind of moving, you know, quick enough and, and positively and just with enough imagination sometimes. You saw what, like, I think he'd have been a good signing. Mm. There's just times where he just sees these things that, you know, someone like Hogg just doesn't have the peripheral vision to notice. Now he just all of a sudden pings it and, and then moves. And even, if he just, say, Matt, even if he just gave it to someone next to him quicker, Yes. Instead of taking that third touch, just give it to someone else. Tackle someone, kick someone, do what you need to do, be the captain. Just give it to someone. Don't think. You can yeah. see him, give it him, get your yeah. position, move he's on again. Let, let him transition. It's just like, yeah. it kind of, he like, it's almost like a panic and he just like doesn't do anything and starts to kind of just put his arms around, try and hold yeah, people no. off or something. And you're right, if you just give it quicker, that's such a talent. To, yeah. Like Chris Marsden, I remember, used to do when I was a boy. And... Uh, just very little simple balls here and there. It just it helps the team, you know, to, to get moving uh, so much. So that would be the thing I would like. It's your, it's your first episode, Matt, and I've got a feeling there's going to be a, a line of uh, town fans with pitchforks after you with that comment. Now. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> I'm comfortable with that. I'll start next year because I'm, I'm, very, I'm very much a lot of same thinking as you. We know Johnny, a great player uh, when he. You know, when we got promoted, you know, an absolute hero for that for that particular season. But just just to sort of pick up on your war analogy, yeah, it'd be great to to go into war with. But it'd be one of those that if you had a, a set plan, he, he would just sprint off straight at the opposition and, and start battling with them, and everyone else would be looking like it's land. <laughs> and then yeah. he'd turn and sort of shout at everybody else for not getting involved. And yeah. as you tell when you're trying to play football in a set way one wild card figure running around trying to do probably more than he needs to and sometimes make the whole system look a little bit flawed. And I think I think that for me is where, where Johnny Ogg sits in at the moment. He's not a bad player to have on your books, but would he be my first choice in a system that 
we want to try play football, win it back and get going quickly forward. It's probably not the first I'd choice. Say, I'd say Johnny Hoggies, if your possession stats, I think if you're under 50%, Jonathan Hoggies is vital. But if you're knocking on 60, 65% possession, then probably Jonathan Hogg's probably... Not, not yeah. quite. You're probably leaning towards Alex Vaiko in that, in that. Instance. You know, you were talking about Paz and, and talking about Fulham being one of the top teams last year when they weren't even in that division. <laughs> well, I, I actually said that Jonathan Hogg would be one of the high-profile victims of uh, of Carlos Cobran. You know, getting played the season and playing every game. So, yeah, maybe the same thing. I, I said very early on when Cobran came in, Jonathan Hogg will be one of those players that get sidelined because of exactly what Matt's talking about there as well. That, that, that speed of thought, that speed of pass. We know the high press. We know what Leeds United do. You know what I mean? As well, and it's worked so well for him. And I thought he would be the highest profile victim of it. But he played every game and you know, he was captain. And, and to be fair, they, they needed him because mm. he, he wasn't working. Matt, you look at the the, the stats as well when uh, Hogg didn't play. We barely won a game when Hogg didn't play. And I think um, out of everybody in the Huddersfield Town squad, we won the most games when Jonathan Hogg was on the field. Uh, they barely won a game with him, to be fair, Matt. <laughs> well, yeah, true. last six months. <laughs> I think there is like a really big difference, though, with like football in uh, stadiums and football without fans. And, you know, the... The, the, the fact the players have to bring the energy, don't they? They have to bring that sort of that pressure, and it, and it is hard. And I think that that's why those stats you just quoted there, Matt. Probably someone like Hobbs does bring that, and he does instill that. And definitely, I can see what people would find attractive when looking at the team because you want to see, especially down at town, we've always liked them to get stuck in, so you want to see that. But I think it, it limits you. And, and your little start there, mate, about the um. If you're a possession team, you know, versus a team that doesn't have the ball as much, what would you want to do? And I think it's all about the idea of the manager and what you're trying to do, uh, you know. And I, that's why I think that, you know, maybe he's in there now. You know, maybe it'll be next year as Carlos really starts to, to bed in what he wants, the idea that he has, that he'll start to recruit that kind of, you know, the final missing pieces. But, um, yeah, it might be another war this year, so maybe we need Oggy. <laughs> Uh, let's let's buzz through these a bit more a bit quickly because obviously um, we've 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 almost done an hour already. <laughs> so we're we're pretty quick and we've barely got anywhere. Uh, midfield. So in terms of uh, midfield, Lewis O'Brien. There's there's interesting Lewis O'Brien that we we hear. Uh, who knows if he's going to be here at the end of the window? Janino Bakuna is available to tr- to go. Uh, one of Matt's favourites. Uh, Reese Brown's come back from from Peterborough. The Scott High. Dwayne Holmes hasn't really. Got going massively yet. Uh, hopefully he will do, but he's been played out of the biggest understanding so far. Yeah. Uh, Matty Daly uh, and John Russell's coming from uh, Chelsea as well, who I think is more of a B team signing, but we're going there. But we have lost Carol Lighting and Alex Pritchard, a couple of ball players. And my main concern, really, when I look at that midfield, guys, is that uh, defensively, the signings we've made look to soli- could hopefully solidify us, especially in terms of Matty Pearson. But moving the ball from the middle to the final third, uh, Town never really got over losing Carol Iting last December. And I look at that squad now, and Bakuna, if Bakuna's at it, he's, he's a great player, but he's, he's rarely at it, and he's not going to be at it because we're trying to get rid of him. So, you know, I, I still look at that, and I know there's still a month or so to go. I don't think it's finished yet. I don't think the mm. incomings are finished. I think there's another Premier League loanee going to sit in that midfield who's going to be a, a ball player. You know what I mean? Hopefully it'll be a Smith Rowe against someone like that. Obviously not yeah. him because he's absolutely flying. But of that ilk, I think there'll be. I think we'll see someone else come walking through the door. 
next year. Yeah. Definitely. The, the door's wide open for someone to come and sit in that midfield Absolutely. and be that be that player, be that ball player that we that we want we want to see and we love coming in and, and watching, you know, on the pitch with everyone watching actually in the stadium as well. So uh again, I think once we once we talk again in a few weeks' time, I think there'll be someone sat in the midfield that we'll we'll be quite happy with. I hope so. Uh, Pos, do you agree? Do you think that's what we probably lack at the minute? But like Matt said, like we said, there's uh, there's quite a, a long way to go yet in the window. Yeah, biggest concern going forward is just really committing in that. Probably the number ten role. Everybody sort of says, you know, that, that eighteen yard box a little bit further out can, you know, twenty thirty yards can pick that killer ball through. Can't see anybody picking ball up, even even picking ball from half turn and and taking it. 10-15 yards and, and driving at a defence. Dwayne Holmes may be the man who has been identified to play that role. Uh, still having um, Bakuna and Benzer on our books. I, I still can't get my head around that. Uh, I know you talk about players coming in, but from what Phil said and what you know has been noted previously, he's, he's said a couple of times we need people to go out before we can get people to come in. I'm, I'm presuming it's meaning Bakuna and Benzer need to go there because I can't imagine they're only on you know, fifteen hundred quid a week, so that might be holding up any any potential signings. I just think, why bother? They're not going to feature. They don't want to be. You just just should have just got rid of them. But you know, he's he's played his card. He's taken a gamble there. And hopefully, someone will come in. I think is he valuing the stock too high? Maybe is he trying to recoup losses that he's made on him over the past few seasons? I, I don't I don't know what his plan is there. I can't see anyone coming in with. Massive money, if anybody at all. So yeah, he's not going to recoup the losses with Mbenza and uh, Bakuna. <laughs> no, yeah, no if people come in, just get rid of them, just get wage off at books, you yeah. know, and then use that money to, to get someone else, even if it isn't loan, that, like you say, we can probably look a little bit better because we can pay them a bit more. So that is the biggest concern for me. It's okay being solid at back and not conceding as many, but you're still going to concede. I can't see a score in many. And I know, Matt, you'll probably move on to strikers as well, but. Apart from Karoma, Ward, Rhodes and Campbell, again, I can't see many more, many goals there. If all three of them, eight, I think all three will do well. So the, the, mm. the, forward, the forward line is more of a concern than defensive for me. Yeah, it is for me, and we'll, we'll, we'll jump to it. Um... And we'll go to you first, Matt Wilson, on this one. Uh, you know, wingers, we've got Rolando Ahrens, um, a, a player that I didn't really want us to sign at the time due to his his, his record with soft tissue injuries, you know, hamstrings, and he's, he's really struggled to get to get fit for a lot of the time. We've got Sorber Thomas, who's looked promising uh, in pre-season. Uh, Isaac and Benza seems to have been uh, relegated to the, to the B team, perhaps. Uh, you know, he's not training with the first team from the looks of it. Uh, Danny Grant, uh, again, another B-team player who's had his injury issues. Josh Karoma, uh, brilliant player. Love Josh Karoma. Still got the Josh Karoma conch over here, ready for next season. Um, you know, but to be fair to Josh Karoma, only, you know, he's only played half a season, but there's only two assists in there. You know, you're looking at who creates the goals and Isaac and Benza is the, you know, the highest creator from wide you know, with eight assists and, you know, potentially we're going to lose that. Aaron Rowe, though, made a brilliant breakthrough, I thought, towards the end of last season. I think there was a number of really promising performances from Aaron Rowe. Uh, Nottingham Forest away springs to mind immediately. Middlesbrough, in the defeat against Middlesbrough, I thought Aaron Rowe was sensational when he came on as, as a sub as well. Uh, so I've got high hopes for Aaron Rowe. And, and the strikers, Rhodes, Ward, Campbell, out goes Sonogo, Umanias. Uh, Umanias, probably the most unlucky person on the face of the earth last year. <laughs> And uh, well, yeah, Kieran Phillips is quite lucky not to get on the pitch after Christmas. So <laughs> might be the way around. 
Yeah. <laughs> Kieran Phillips has gone on loan to Walsall. So what do you make of that, uh, uh, Matt Wilson, in terms of going forward? I think there's a, a lack of creativity in there, which worries me, worries pause a bit with the lack of goals. And I look at the three strikers as well. And and for me, I look at them and think, I'd be quite happy with them coming on with 20 minutes to go to, to try and change something or alter something. And I don't really see a starting forward. But like we say, this window is still open for a little while. We, you know, we have to get the preview in early, don't we, before the start of the season. So things can change. Yeah. I mean, I really felt, to be honest, I, I think it's been a long time since we've had enough strikers at the club. I can't remember the last season we started where I was like, we're set. I think probably the, the note... The, the first year we have Rhodes and Novak was where, and, and they were on, I remember going to South End the first game of the season and they, I don't think they started, but they came off the bench and I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of, this feels good. And, and I think they went on to really solidify themselves. And I forget who the other guys were, but we actually... Robbie we Simpson had, and Theo Robinson. Theo Robinson, yeah. Yeah, and was, we had about four of them and I, I could see what they each brought to the table. And... You know, in the Premier League, when we were like year two, and it was just um, God, I can't remember their names now. Big, big, yeah, and it was like, I was like, come on, surely there's more to come. And, and I kind of feel like we're still a little bit like that, certainly last year when it was just like Ward and Campbell. And I was like, and actually, then Ward got injured, didn't he? And Campbell looked like he never had 90 minutes in him, you know. So I look at it and I think, have we? actually got enough up top and we haven't you know and and yet is probably the word because i hope that, that you know they're able to bring in someone like a, a good premier league kid that might be a spot if we could if we could get someone there i thought he might i don't know if he's like for me it needs the what's the guy uh now at qpr was it preston signed for west Ham? is it hugill uh, yeah jordan hugill yeah. i thought he's the type right able to kind of like go sideline to sideline able to score a goal, a bit of a nasty streak in him, you know, like uh, up for it. I really feel like somebody like that. So He went for big money though. I know you mean that kind of character. Yeah. They're not cheap. Centre forward, you know what I mean? For me, you know what I mean? Goalkeeper shouldn't have paid the most money, but strikers do, unfortunately. And there's a reason why, because there's so few of them, as you say, that, that can put the ball on the back of it, but also contribute to the rest of the team as well. Yeah, and, and, and I get that, but I, I was a bit surprised with Rhodes because what I remember him of him was that he couldn't, as the game was changing, he was better in a two, like up top. And so I, I kind of look at it, I think we might be a short. And, um, but, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see what Ward's like if he's fit. And it'll be interesting to see what Rhodes is like and, and how he sort of like shuffles that kind of front three. But, you know, I think that. Karoma, if he can stay fit, I mean, he'd got more than eight goals last year. And for me, he looked, he was incredible. He was really was the creative spark. Uh, he was somebody that kind of like carried the ball, made defenders commit, which kind of obviously opens things up. He had a finish in him. He was playing with bags and bags of confidence. Um, so I'm hopeful if, he, if he's fit and he's actually back strong, that a lot of our threat will come from him. Um, which kind of might open it up. I think people like Aaron's and Thomas, I'm excited that there's some potential there, but and, and Roe as well. 
but it really is about that they need to step up now somebody needs to actually act like look you know what i deserve to in the same way that Karoma did last year someone needs to really kind of show and say like i actually deserve to play at this standard i'm up for it you need to pick me every single week that's the kind of someone needs to step up because seeing these odd signs of oh he did a bit here and he did a bit there it's not enough you know if, if you're a young kid that's going to go on and do something you need to be able to kind of be be really showing up every time you you you, you know you, you get the start really. Mm. Yeah, I think Rhodes is an interesting one because uh, he certainly knows how to put ball in back at net, which is fine. He was never lightning quick, so again, you're not expecting that, but he will find those pockets of space in, in in and around the area, and then that relies on that quality ball into him, and I think that's what will let us down more than actual. Yeah, he's an unbelievable finisher in training. He's unbelievable finisher in training. Shooting, and I think every single shot went in. And then he came on at half time and he had absolutely no service and he might as well not have been there. So unless you're going to put the players around him to get the best out of him, there's no point in having him. Do you, you know might what? as well have a Campbell who can run around with him. Do, do you know what though, Pods? Like, that's a great point. And I remember there's times when, because when Toffolo was in his stride and we were playing some nice triangles with, with Louis O'Brien and him and, and if we can kind of, he was getting a lot of, Ball and, and starting to put a lot of crosses in and it felt like we were missing that kind of movement so maybe the fact that he is able to get across his man or lose him you know Toffolo does have does have that end product so uh, and so does Louis O'Brien when he gets into those situations so maybe they do have enough if they can stay fit mm. I think we're maybe three players short I'm going for a, an eight or a ten you know a player that can play eight and ten uh, a right winger uh, someone who can put decent delivery in the box from the right hand side and a and a striker. I'm not really going to throw any names out there. I'll leave that to the club. But the only one I would probably say is maybe Ellis Sims, who was on loan at Blackpool last year, caught my eye. Uh, I thought he would uh, he'd do very well either up front by himself or alongside someone like Jordan Rose to take a lot of a lot of the pressure and the work rate from him as well. Um, that that's my opinion on the squad. I think it's it's getting there. I think defensively we've done quite well uh, in terms of uh, recruitment. Uh, we've got a decent amount of cover. Uh, it's just going forward. Uh, I think we all concur, or seem to concur, really. It's just going forward with probably a couple of players light. I, think. I don't think it'll just be us, Matt, as well, that are sat there saying this. If you listen to maybe to the podcast from teams in this division, I think a lot of other teams have probably sat there saying the same. Um, just I, 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 the, the, we're talking about extra people coming in and seeing quite a lot online about we need another three or four players and stuff like that. And there's just not the movement in the market at the moment. You know, I think I had a really quick look before. Um, before we came on, and I think there's only been 78 players signed so far by, by championship clubs. And looking, I had a really quick look down on transfer market to see you know, if anybody had spent any money. And I'd, I'd, you know, 95% were all free transfers like we have. There's only really Fulham, you know, I think they've just spent 12 million on, on Harry Wilson. Uh, QPR have bought a couple of players. Reading have spent, unbelievably, Reading have spent 8.3 million on. On that, uh, all easy, is it from Powers? Um, you look at overall, hasn't he uh, gone the other way? Michael Alisa, I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, just looking, looking at movement though, there's only been about 18 million pounds spent by championship clubs, which if you compare that to 1920 before COVID, it were over 200. So there's not a lot of movement going on, and it's all right now. Fans sitting there saying, We need X, we need Y, we need to be spending money. Nobody else is, so it's not like we're lagging behind anybody. It's just we've probably started off with a worse bunch to add to than other people have. So, you know, there'll be, there'll be fans up and down country at all clubs now saying, we need this, we need that, we need the other. And sometimes it's the case of when one top ups, 
the rest of the pile goes well. So one transfer further up the chain might. I was going to say maybe Harry Kane or Grealish or something to Man City. Yeah, and then, and then everyone then else triggers, yeah. From there, yeah. So, um, yeah, I agree. I think we are a little bit short, but I don't think we'll be the only ones saying that. So. And there's a month, obviously, as well, isn't there? There's a couple of people that I speak to think it'll really sort of get going in the last two weeks of the window rather than... Last uh, 15 minutes, Matt. Yeah, last 15 minutes, yeah. yeah. When that's Sky gone, she's got a yellow tie on and he's complaining about the transfers yeah. coming in. Possibly there, Probably Sky Dylan, Sports we'll, News, we'll, what you can outside. Sky Sports News, all your, all your transfers until last day, so we can get some more figures in. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think there'll be, there will be a bit of a scramble and, you know, the end of the season and all. It'll take it championship this year, I think, Willing to put the neck neck out and spend a bit of money, and you know they've got a hell of a chance of getting promoted. Not saying that'll be us, but for someone there. Mm. Absolutely. So uh, that's that's the squad, really. Um, that's that's what we think of the squad. Let us know uh, you guys and uh, via social media what you also think of of the squad as well and what you would do. Um, before we have our say on how we think the season will unfold for Huddersfield Town, and we start making some some predictions, um, I'm going to. Uh, rolling a couple of videos from some selected Huddersfield Town fans and just on their thoughts of how they think the season will go. Okay. Hi, I'm Tom Bradshaw, aka Tom Bradraw, as known on my social accounts, and I draw things for a living. I think it's going to be a note of season for Town, but I also think it's one of the most evenly balanced championships we've seen for a while. It wouldn't surprise me if a team I've tipped for promotion get relegated and vice versa. I've optimistically given Town a 16th place finish, so keep the faith, Town fans. My favourite signing of the summer is probably Lee Nichols. He looks solid. He looks like he's a good voice for the team in those training videos, and I think he'll challenge Schofield for that starting position, which should hopefully see improvements from both. So for my top six, I'm going for top Fulham, second Bournemouth, third West Brom, fourth QPR, fifth Borough, and sixth, Sheffield United. And I'm going to tip Neil Warnock to add one last promotion to his list with playoff success. Bottom three is difficult. I think it's going to be so tight this season, so this is a total guess, but unfortunately, I'm putting Derby, Millwall, and Blackpool in my bottom three. Town breakout player. Um, I think I'd like to see some first-team action for Brahima Diara this season. Every clip I see from the B team he seems to do something special. And then player of the season, I'll predict Harry Toffolo. He's got next captain material written all over him for me. And hopefully he'll show those leadership qualities this season coming. Hi, so I'm uh, Richard Burhouse, the founder of Magic Rock Brewing. Um, <clears throat> thanks to Matt and the team. And he takes that chance for asking me uh, to record a little bit for them. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Cozzy, what, what's your favourite away day? 
Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium. You're right near the pitch. Great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rich, I think that's that's about the only place I am these days. But yeah, I'm on there. Um, so expectations as, as for how it's going and going to go, uh, etc. I'm I'm pretty happy really with how things have gone recruitment-wise. I think we've addressed uh, the squad's depth issues we had last year. I think we've recruited pretty solid backup players who... Uh, who want to play for us, who are ambitious and, and will want to push for regular places. I do still think we probably need some quality adding, particularly uh, to the midfield and wild, uh, wide areas, but I don't think we're we're miles off as far as the squad's concerned. Don't really think we'll struggle for goals, um, and I think the defence should be way more solid, which uh, which is obviously a big problem, but uh, I am an optimist where, where town are concerned. Uh, as far as the best signing we've made, uh, I like the signing of Marty Pearson. Thought Luton were were well drilled defensively when we played them, and he he just he looks like a town sort of player, you know, no nonsense, physically strong. Um, obviously, the young uh, lad Levi Colwell uh, joining from Chelsea as well means we should really see some improvements in that in that defence, which, as I said, was uh, is really needed. Uh, a predicted town finish. Uh, I'm going to go for around 11th. <clears throat> I think we'll be solid all season. I think we might even flirt with the top six a little bit, but I think ultimately we'll lack a bit of quality for those uh, playoff places and, we, and we'll uh, we'll drop away to around 11th. As far as um, who's going to finish in the top two and, and the top six, I'm, it, my top six in order is Fulham, then West Brom, uh, Bournemouth, QPR, and the two Welsh sides, Swansea and Cardiff, in fifth and sixth. Uh, I think Bournemouth will win the playoffs this time. Um, as far as a bottom three prediction, I think it will be Derby at the bottom, followed by Blackpool and Barnsley. Um, controversial, maybe, but I think they're going to struggle without Valerian Ishmael. I think it was all, a lot of it was was team spirit and the you know the Manager, I think, played a really big part in that, and I don't think they'll look the same next season, but well, uh, that's probably one I'll be completely wrong about, but there you go. Uh, Towns, to breakout player. Um, well, the one I, the player I'd really like to see a lot more involved than last season is Vallejo, who I thought looked really assured uh, when he did play. I thought his de- decision-making and his, his passing, the accuracy with that, Looked a bit looked a bit better than we used to, if I'm honest. So um, I really hope he plays week in week out. Um, and Town's predicted player of the season um, is going to be Josh Caroma, I would think. He didn't seem to weaken at all after his spell out um, last season. He came back exactly as he'd gone off, and I think that will continue. I think he'll be he'll be knocking him in regularly for us. I think he'll be the player of the season and the young player of the season I'd say would be Scott High, who again I thought showed really good good flashes um in the later games when he was coming on and it looks like the club the club think he's think he's a good one as well. So so yeah that's it. Cheers guys. Um good luck for next season. Hi everyone, Jodie Calvert here. I am at Forever Town on Twitter and Instagram. 
Um, my expectations for the season, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I am a little bit out of touch following uh, the pandemic. I've not been following it as closely as I usually would, um, but we have renewed our season cards, so I'm sure we'll get back into it very, very quickly. Um, but for this season, I think hopefully with fewer injuries than we had last season, with Carlos having chance to build his own squad, with the fans back in the stadiums again, hopefully giving him a, a clean slate following um, following the slow start. Um, I will be slightly more conservative than I was last season and I'm going to say we'll finish 12th. I'd quite like a, a mid-table, no drama kind of season. Town just never seem to do that really, do they? Um, I think the best signing we've made, I, I'm probably most excited to see uh, young Levi from Chelsea. He sounds like a really highly rated young player, so uh, it'll be good to see him in action. And predictions for the rest of the championship. I'm going to go for West Brom to win it, Fulham to come second, and I'm going to go with an all-Northern uh, playoff. Uh, so I'm going to say that Sheffield United will banish the demons of 2012 and win it uh, against local rivals Barnsley and also Middlesbrough and Forest and I'm gonna go with uh, relegation for Blackpool, Peterborough and Coventry. Um, in terms of a breakout B-team player I'm not gonna lie I don't have a clue <laughs> um, and for player of the season I'm gonna go with uh, Jordan Rhodes I think. Um, and hope that he can win back the, the hearts of the fans on his return um, and maybe we can have a prolific goal scorer for the first time in a very long time. So yep, we'll see how we get on there my predictions, cheers! Hello everyone, I'm Ollie Fisher, you can find me on Twitter at Ollie Fisher and it's that time of the year again when I get to embarrass myself by doing these championship predictions. I think it's a really tough division to call this year, um, a lot more parity obviously with what's going on with clubs financially and also there's lots that can change in the upcoming month before the window shuts but I've had a bit of a stab in the dark and, and this is what I think is going to happen based on how things are at the moment. Uh, starting with town for the upcoming season. Um, I'm sort of how I was going into last season, not particularly optimistic about where we're going to end up. I think we'll be uh, in that bottom third again. A lot of the issues that we had last season, particularly in the second half of the season, scoring goals and keeping them out, I'm not sure if we've actually addressed them. Um, I'm hoping that the new signings can come in and do well and gel, but I think we're, we're lacking a bit with a creative midfielder. Not sure we've got a goal scorer who's going to net us over 10, you know, with the doubts about Rhodes and Ward and their fitness and stuff. And um, we're hoping for Karoma to have another great season. Um, that being said, rather cynically, and I, I hope I'm wrong on this, I've got our predicted finishers third bottom, so 22nd. Um, and I, like I say, I hope I'm wrong on that one, but I'm not massively excited about the upcoming season um, and hope that signings arrive before then to prove me wrong. Um, I think the best signing we've made so far with regards to uh, shoring up at the back is a toss-up between Levi Colwell and uh, Pearson. I think um, both of those will add something a little bit different, one leadership and, and one the kind of confidence and exuberance you want from a young player. Um, but I'm going to go with Colwell. I think he's going to impress some people given that he's only 18 years of age, uh, but he's coming from a from a very, very good academy system as we know at Chelsea. And I think based on what we've seen in pre-season alone, he's not lacking in confidence and I hope that he gets the game time to show what he can do. Top six, uh, I've gone Fulham and Bournemouth in my top two. Um, there's 
some good sides this year, I will say that. And it feels like the teams that have come down could bounce back up, especially with the business that they're doing. One question mark about Bournemouth is their managerial situation, I suppose. Um, but I think their squad's great. And I think Fulham as well have come down and, and actually strengthened, if anything. Um, my playoffs, this was really tough. It was almost guesswork, but I've got West Brom. I think they'll do well with their squad. Sheffield United have got the Yukanovic thing and he loves a, a finish in the top six. Um, I've gone Forest as a bit of a wild card with Chris Hewton there. Um, and I've gone Reading as well. But those last two places are very tough to call. Um, my bottom three, in addition to town, as I say, that's as things stand at the moment. We could make signings that make me change my mind. Um, I've gone Derby. You know, I don't even know if they're going to be able to field a team. And then I've also gone with Blackpool, who have come up and they were impressive last season in League One. But I just don't know if they're going to be able to strengthen enough to, to keep themselves in the division. Um, breakout development player, I've gone Brahima Diara. Been impressed with what I've seen from him in pre-season so far and uh, hoping to see more of that. Um, and I hope that, that Carlos gives him minutes to show what he can do as well in good situations. You know, we saw him bring on Scott High in, in the 70th minute of pretty much every game in the second half of last season. And I felt a bit sorry for him. Um, so I think he needs to manage the young players a little bit better. But I'm looking out for uh, for Diara. And my player of the season, I've gone with Josh Karoma. I'm hoping that he can kick on, uh, that he can have an injury-free season. And I think if he, if he can play 30-plus games for us in the league, maybe 40-plus, then um, he's going to be our top scorer. That's the way I see it. And I hope that him and Rhodes can maybe form a good a good partnership up top. Um, and yeah, those are my predictions for the upcoming season. Hello, everyone. My name is Stephen John. Uh, in case you're looking for me on social media, I'm always available on Twitter at S-I-V-A-N-J-O-H-N underscore. You can always reach out to me on that platform to talk anything about football, in particularly Huddersfield Town. Now let's talk about the transfer that we have made so far this season. Well, to be, true to be said, I wasn't expecting us to spend so much, so it was obvious that we are looking at free transfer players. No problem with that, as I can believe that these players have unknown quantity in them. Just that we need to remember that they are players that come with League One experience. So the main issue here for me is whether they are able to deliver on a championship level. But the one player that I think that I believe that could do us a favour is Matt Pearson. He's a player that with championship experience and was a key figure for Luton Town last season. If he can give us some reassurance at the back, that could help us in a long way. Let's talk about prediction. I would like to see us finish maybe a few notch from where we finished last season. Say somewhere between 16 to 18 plays in the league. That'll be good. My top six team will be number one, West Brom, followed by Fulham. The four teams that will occupy for the, uh, for the playoff positions are Swansea, Bournemouth, Sheffield United and Reading. I got a feeling that Swansea will do uh, will do one step further this season in the playoff. The three teams that I picked that will go down is Bristol City, Blackpool, and Petersburg. Now uh, let's talk about the one player that I'm looking forward to see from the B team that could make an impact. Well, John Russell that we signed from Chelsea. I've heard some great reviews about him. So if his rating will start to go up, I can foresee that Carlos would like to work with him because he's a player with great potential. And as for the player of the season, I think if as long I think if he continues from where he left off last season, that honor will go to Harry Tafolo. Thank you. Richard Cosmala at Richard Cosmala for Twitter and Instagram. If you're really bored and want to listen to my inane ramblings, there you go. So town, dear, I mean, last two seasons have been horrible, haven't they? I thought until Christmas last year we were looking all right, but we faded badly. 
So I was expecting quite a bit of movement this summer. Yeah, we've got some nice backup players, but I don't think you know we've got anything that is going to hurt a team. And that Norwich game didn't kind of fill me with much anticipation, albeit against a good side. We lack the conductor of the orchestra, real playmaker. We've not replaced Moy, obviously, from you know a few seasons ago. Iting, obviously, not back, so we've no one really to pull any strings out wide. Nothing really, you know, to uh, get excited about for me. And Benzer looks like he's spat his dummy out, so we're desperate, I think, for at least one. Maybe not two quality wingers. I'd play Karoma up front if I'm being honest with you, but we might have to kind of play him out wide and that as well. But on the positive, we've got rid of a lot of our donkeys, haven't we? One of them's got the Blackpool, who is one of my tips to releg be relegated, along with Reading. And I think we're going to be scrapping in there. We all sit here for that third spot. I hope we don't, uh, you know, get it. But there you go. There's a nice uh, pun. Donkeys, mate. I think ours are gone. Really excited with Pearson and Colville. Colwell, sorry, I think Colwell will be uh, a standout player uh, for us this season, but God forbid any of them kind of get a knock on that as well, as we saw last season, the backups, not very good. Young player this season, I was really excited with Pat Jones, it was really strange, wasn't it? We saw one or two glimpses of him, he looked as though he had something about him, and he's a wide man, and we need a wide man, so I'd like to see him give his head really and that as well in there. Uh, for top two, I don't think you can look any further than Fulham, will be expected to come straight back up. As well, I think Scott Parker might take his old side up with them, and that as well. Bournemouth and West Brom again, it depends if they can keep all the Pereira and what have you. Then, yeah, I think they're going to be uh, playoff candidates and that as well. But yeah, I'm just not feeling it for Othersfield Town as we stand. Okay, there's business still to be done. We're, we're desperate for some more quality. I just didn't see enough last week against Norwich, albeit on one game against the Premier League, to get you know really excited that we were going to do much different to the other seasons. But yeah, uh, can't wait to get back in the ground. It's going to be ex unbelievable to hear that South Stand Road again. So, up there. Hi, my name is Cameron Pope. I'm a sports editor and commentator. You can find me on Twitter at Camp Hope Sports or on the other town podcast at the Town Social. Um, I don't really read too much into pre-season results, which is probably a good thing, given that an hour before I recorded this, we lost 2-1 to Fleetwood. Um, but I don't think Town will know where they are in relation to last season or indeed to the other teams in the Championship until they step out at Hillsborough on Sunday. What I will say is, while we have a small crop of players who have the ability to make a difference at this level, I'm thinking Karoma, Pieper, Toffolo, O'Brien, I don't think we have enough of those players, quite simply. Uh, the main issue for us at this rate looks to be depth. It's the same thing that dogged us in the second half of last season. I make that 12 outgoings and worryingly just six incomings. And one of those is a very young Levi Colwell. We ran out of steam a long way from the end of last season. And it was good fortune more than anything really that kept us in the division. And without more new faces coming in, I envisage more of the same, unfortunately. So I'm going to predict town finishing in a nice round 20th. If you give me that now, I would snap your hand off. Best signing, I would like to say Jordan Rhodes, given that is my generation of town player. If he gets double figures, to be honest, I think we're in dreamland. I think it's more likely to be the other JR on town's books, Josh Ruffles. Wingbacks and fullbacks were undoubtedly town's best outlet last season. For that to continue, we have to give support and competition to Peeper and Harry Toffolo. My top two is going to be Fulham to win the league and Sheffield United for my shout for second. The next four, no real surprises for me. No doubt this will be wrong. West Brom, Bournemouth and the two Welsh clubs. And I think that the Baggies will probably take the Swales in the playoffs. Bottom three, I would 
honestly put Derby three times over if I could. Uh, I'm going to put them bottom, followed by Blackpool and Coventry. Breakout player from Town's B team, I'm going to say, lad, I didn't know much about until before this season, uh, John Russell. Over 20 games in League One on loan at Accrington and two goals as well. Central midfielder, I'll be keeping my eye on him. And finally, Town's player of the season. Well, Harry Toffolo is certainly, and was certainly, the leading light to, towards the end of last season. But a good season from Josh Caroma, and crucially, one that he's able to stay fit in, would certainly propel him into contention. <laughs> right then, uh, he takes that chance. Um, you can find me on the... Uh... Twitter, uh, Phil underscore GK, and Instagram if you're lucky. Not much to look at though, really, uh, and not much going on on my uh, on my social media accounts. Um, expectations for this season still slightly concerned, to be honest. Um, we'll go through this in a second, but I think we've still got issues uh, up front, uh, out on the wings. And I feel like we need a little bit of creativity in the centre midfield as well, which which we don't look like we've got at the moment. So expectations aren't at the highest at the moment. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to miss Carolighting uh, in the flesh. I think it would have been great to see his movement would have been fantastic. But anyway, that's gone. Um, predictive finish 18th. Um, best signing so far. Um, Young lad from Chelsea, I think, is uh, our best signing. To be honest, I think we've uh, we've needed a centre half uh, who can actually play with the ball. He looks a fantastic prospect. Um, I'm hoping that him and Matty Pearson will work well together. I think he'll maybe bounce off each other quite well. Matty, um, not so confident on the ball, where I think this young lad will be, and um, our play dictates that. Um, top two to go up. Can't see past West Brom and Sheffield United, to be honest. Uh, two strong squads haven't really lost much. Um, not really affecting on the players coming in, but haven't really lost much. So, two strong squads. Um, next four, uh, Swansea, Bournemouth, and Fulham. I think will win it. And I'm going to go for a rogue kind of Millwall in there as well. There were a couple of teams really. I thought uh, Birmingham might be a bit of a rogue sign. Uh, rogue choice uh, together I have no idea why but there's always a rogue team that gets in playoffs so um, bottom three I don't know if I have to do it by order um, Blackpool Derby Coventry I think Derby going to be rock bottom they've got all sorts of issues going on um, Blackpool I think clubs will love, cause love to go to Blackpool away days everyone's you know a bit of a bit of a night out so um, so the atmosphere is going to be great. It's not going to be intimidating to come play at Blackpool. We played there before. It's, the atmosphere is dead. Um, so yeah, and then obviously Coventry. Uh, I think it's a tough one that you know. I think there could be many, could be many down there. Not many teams have, have, have really bought anything of interest. So um, breakout B team player. <laughs> breakout B team player. Um, I, I would like it to be Young Diara. I would like it if it was him. Um, I think he's got a lot of talent. I think he could be kind of a, a bit of a creative player for us. Not sure. Um, we said this last year. We went had a couple to come through last year, and none really did, apart from like you row. So, um, and then player of the season, Crowler. If he stays fit, I think that's it. I, I'm not very optimistic to be honest. So, 
Um, I hope that some of these pods will be will be a little bit better this year and, and more kind of in like Jordan Rhodes is going to score ten goals. Hi, Simon Copland from the Antics at Chance podcast on the eve of the twenty one twenty two championship season. What beckons Huddersfield Town this year? Well, a mid-table finish would be a great outcome, having narrowly avoided relegation last season. Last year, we struggled to score goals and keep them out of the net, and we've strengthened our backline considerably in the off-season. However, we still look light up front. In an ageing front three of Jordan Rhodes, Danny Ward and Fraser Campbell, you do wonder if we'll be able to score goals. A lot will rest on Josh Caroma, who I would predict to be the player of the season, having had a really kind of standout year last year, um, despite his injury. The breakout player for me for Huddersfield Town to keep an eye on will be Scott High, a young central midfielder who's been awarded the number 15 shirt after a really impressive six months on loan at Shrewsbury Town in the start of last season and then made some appearances off the bench towards the back end. In terms of signings, we've brought in experienced Matty Pearson at centre-half from Luton and lots of expected of him to fill the big shoes of Christopher Schindler who after a number of years at Huddersfield Town has sadly left us to go back to his native Germany. In terms of who will do well and the runners and riders for the league title, you can't look further than the clubs that have been relegated. And I expect West Brom and Fulham to finish in the top two. For the playoffs, I think the contenders will be Middlesbrough, Bournemouth, Sheffield United and Stoke, um, who under Michael O'Neill uh, will come good finally. And in terms of relegation, obviously everyone's well aware of Derby's struggles off the field. And I think that will start to impact them on the field. Plus Peterborough and Blackpool, I think, will be down in the bottom three. Best luck for the season. Okay, thanks to the guys for for submitting those videos through. Um, it's going to be interesting uh, to see uh, what it'll be like back in front of supporters as well. Matt, you've already mentioned that um, COVID as well. I think we'll have a big say with uh, with training intensity. Uh, if we're still in bubbles, you know, or if we have to revert back to bubbles, how's that going to affect? You know, somebody like Carlos Corbran, who's still trying to implement a specific style between between players as well. Uh, some of the younger lads are a year wiser and the backup as well has improved. Uh, we've brought in some flexible players, like we mentioned earlier, who can play differing roles. Although we've got a smaller squad, it feels a bit more compact and a bit more uh, powerful with, with perhaps maybe more people pushing in the right direction rather than all over the place as well. Um, so... You know, the season closed, you know, hopefully we'll keep the likes of Lewis O'Brien and Harry Toffolo. Uh, and, you know, if we do that, then then looking ahead at this season, maybe we don't have have to have as much trepidation as what we did last year, Pause, where I think a couple couple on this show predicted relegation for Huddersfield Town, didn't they? Um, including uh, including his good self, I think. Uh, but looking forward then to, to this year, so... Um, we saw quite a lot of good things under Carlos, a couple of things we didn't like. Uh, and obviously we've covered that defensively. We need to be a little bit tighter as well. I think a good question as well, what would be success for Huddersfield Town? Because success isn't just getting into the top six. There are a number of different ways that the club can be successful on the field, off the field. I think it's very important for this football club to really reconnect with some of the supporters post-COVID. We can see online there's a little bit of a malaise and a hangover still from the Premier League era. Uh, there's still a, a lack of trust from some supporters towards the Huddersfield Town board. And there are still bridges that the club really needs to to build to get supporters back on side. And I'll be honest, guys, there's nothing gets fans back more on side than winning football matches, is there? So, you know, there are, there are a lot of things that can be successful for Huddersfield Town this year. And a lot of it is off the field. 
we're going to go now. I'm going to stop waffling and we're going to now start producing some predictions for how it'll go for Huddersfield Town. Does anybody want to go first on maybe a prediction of how they see the season going? Matt, go straight away. Go on, Matt. He's going to shoot. I want to just touch as well on the on what people want to see and what needs to improve. I, obviously, I've uh, you write a few things down and I think fans want to see entertaining football again. I think they want, they want to see, you know what I mean, a style of play. That's going to be important. He, he's going to have to stick to what he knows, which was before Christmas last season, and he's going to have to get results with that as well. And obviously, more clean sheets. And if they do that, and we see what we saw before Christmas with a stronger, tighter defence, with players who are more consistent, you know what I mean? You don't have to be a 9 out of 10 every week, but people that are more 7s and an 8 now and again, you know what I mean, chucked in there, more consistency. And there's no reason, you know what I mean, a mid-table might sound really boring, but a mid-table with still, you know I mean, a few points away after Christmas, where hopefully they don't have that meltdown that they had after Christmas uh, this season, because we were talking about the P-words around Christmas time last season, you know I mean, playoffs were were an option until the implosion, so you, you start strong again, you know I mean, you get your style of play, you, you bring a couple more players in, I still think they're going to lose a couple, if I'm being honest as well, then there's a chance that yeah, maybe what Carlos has got in the bag can take him a little bit further than we expect. I'm quite interested to see how they get on uh, when in a winning position as well, because Huddersfield lost the most amount of games from winning positions last year. I'm quite interested to see how the crowd affects that, or whether the, you know, the backing of the crowd uh, maybe gives them a different mindset, uh, you know, potentially uh, more confidence, if you like, and, and, and it can also affect the other team. Uh, I'm going to go with Pause. How how about you? What are you sort of expecting from Huddersfield Town next season? And um, give us a position where you think Huddersfield will will sit come the end of it. They're expecting in the town's fine line between sounding negative and realistic. In it, I'll say that I'm trying to be realistic, and I'm not expecting a massive amount. I think improvement on last season needs to happen. Um, I think you're quite right in what you're saying. In success, Huddersfield Town across the face of the season doesn't actually need to be we've made the playoffs or not the Lord. It needs to be that we've got a plan, a plan moving forward. Uh, as Matt rightly says, some sort of style of play. There were a lot of messages came out when Carlos uh, Cobron were employed at Huddersfield Town saying that we were going to play football in a certain style of way. We were going to look to bring in a certain style of players. You look at the players that we've brought in, since he's been with us and none of them really fit that mould. And if I'm being honest, a couple of, well, majority of the players that we've brought in prior to this season don't really fit that mould either. That's not a problem as long as they sort of produce something on the pitch. It's easy to go back and say, Phil said this 18 months ago, it's not happened if you lose it. But if you're winning, nobody really cares what he said 18 months ago because what's happening now is working. I think you bang right the, the bridge between the, the supporters and the club needs to reignite. We all saw what happened when everybody was singing from the same hymn sheet um, when Wagner were there. Again, you looked at that squad at start of season and you weren't predicting anything like promotion, yet everybody came together, everybody worked hard and look what happened. Uh, fans being back in the stadium, another massive thing at town. You know, historically over the last, you know, three or four seasons when we've been in stadium atmosphere has generally been better than most. So I think you're quite right, Matt, in winning positions, the fans will get behind it. You know, certainly uh, the guys behind the goal will do what we can to, to keep the, the, the team going and, and hopefully pick up more points from winning positions. Um, I think it'll be an interesting one. 
I think the start is absolutely crucial to a three bad results. And a lot of people who you see a lot of line, I'm not getting a season ticket, I can't be bothered, you know, I'm done with it. Closer it gets, closer it gets. You've all got them. They've all said it to me in the shop, Paul's honestly they come in. I'm not getting a season ticket, I'm not going a week later. Yeah, it's in your nature. You sit there and you, know, you never know because you never yeah. know. Like you said, yeah. you know, look at Barnsley last season. You never know. David Wagner's team, they didn't play great football, let's be honest. Who heard of Lerva before he came to the club? Who heard of Schindler before he came to the club? You know what I mean? You, you, you can have those special years and that's why everyone loves, we love football. That's why you turn up to the games because you never know. And that's what we've got to hold on to at the start of the season because you don't. And, and that's what makes it a great game. And, and to be fair, the pricing of the season tickets as well is, is phenomenal from the club. You look at Sheffield Wednesday. I think it's still 550 quid for a season ticket in League One with a club that's an absolute box of frogs. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's, it, it's all there for everyone to come in, not feel ripped off, and hopefully see something a bit special. Yeah, I think if we're on the field, I think if we come top of the bottom third, that would be successful for me and get people back interested in, in us field town. People have been, been away for a long time and they just want to feel part of it again. So if they can bridge that gap, there's been a lot going on behind the scenes that a lot of supports probably won't see as well. You know, the support services have been been really good. I'm a grassroots coach. It's been great with grassroots while sending bits out. And the players before the match at Southport went round and they were handed gift vouchers out at the shop. And it's just little things like that that get people back interested. And, you know, if that can, that can if we can build on that and get people back involved and recreate that habit of going to watch a real time on Saturday afternoon and, you know, that, that'll be a massive plus point for me. But like I say, just, you know, sort of something about expectations, not not that great, not expecting big things. Anywhere from 16 upwards would be a, a massive success on the field. But more importantly than that, I think they need to get that fan base back interested in, in the field town. Matt Wilson, what do you reckon? I, I don't know why I've been dreading this question. Um, it, it's, it's a weird one, like, um, for me, I, I think that, it's difficult to kind of have your like a prediction or to look at it until that window's closed because it's only when the window's closed that you actually know what you've got and, and, and the intentions of the side, you know? Um, so I, I can't sit here and say, oh, I think we'll do this. Or I think we'll do that. All I will say is that I like the coach. I like some of the squad. I do think there's a couple of little gaps. Um, I think that, you know, the, the, there's a lot of quality in this division. Actually, there's a lot of good sides. I think it's quite a tough, tough division um, but as we've seen it teams can come out of the Premier League and they can have problems and you know teams big clubs that, that sort of it doesn't go well and I, so I think that we've got we've got the basis for something decent and I just think if we're able to just if those last moves like if we lose Lewis, if we lose Lewis O'Brien you know right before the window I think you know we're going to have we haven't brought in a striker then I think it could be bothered but I think if we're able to hold on to the ones that we want to keep hold of and we're able to maybe lose one of them kind of like luxury guys that they've clearly held on to because there's a cash value to them, then you know, if we can get rid of the right people, then I think we could be in a good spot. But I am worried in general about the, about the club. And I think that going into the Premier League, like it's such a big jump, right? To go from being the fourth lowest budget to going into that league is a very big jump. Teams that went up with us, Brighton, Newcastle, they went up about six weeks to a month before we did. And they were kind of geared up to be up there. And 
I think that what that did to us, that transition, because operationally we didn't have enough, you know, when Dino got sick, I think we've just been, and then COVID as well, he's, he's made it tough. But it, when I look at the decisions, it's, are those decisions that we're making with regards to personnel, et cetera, are they in line with, um, with something that where there's a plan and idea that's going somewhere? And I kind of see a little bit of inconsistency, you know, like you were saying, pause the bringing Carlos, but the players don't quite fit it. For me, all the decisions, they still relate to an overriding kind of agenda where it's about cash and it's about capital and it's about generating value. So I'm, I'm not sure that we're a team that's trying to thrive. They're just trying to survive. And, you know, that might be what we end up with. But so about 16th then. <laughs> <laughs> you've always got that little bit of hope mate you know so yeah you have to be careful not because he keeps all these and he plays at the end of the season just to embarrass us when we when we've said he'd see and that's it when, when Paz comes out and says he thinks Norwich are going to win the league next year you know what I mean this year he'll he'll come in and he'll, he'll put that tape on again on the preview show next year one of these but you're right guaranteed. you did very well then to like really deflect that question away without actually giving us a number I thought all those years in the media exceptional exceptional uh, yeah thank you they're good 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 excellent yeah. I'm learning I'm learning I'm learning I'm, I'm, I'm learning from this thanks for that my uh, my local MP Mr Wilson then but, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go for, uh, I, I agree with a lot of what Matt says. I think um, uh, finance is, is the... Go on, think, what, what, what are you going for? What? Uh, don't worry, it's still recorded, but I think um, finance is the name of the game today. Obviously, there's the, the, the dark cloud over the club is the repayments to, to Dean Hoyle. You know, obviously that hamstrings what the club can do moving forward. I'm not going to get into the habit of whether that's, you know, anybody's fault or anything or not get into the conversation either. Um, but that is a, that is a black cloud because money is going out of the club to repay the former owner, which means it doesn't go into what's going on on the field. So I, I do think that, you know, developing and selling is very much the, the name of the game for Huddersfield town. So, Louis O'Brien, Josh Caroma, Harry Toffolo. You know, if we lose one of those, like Matt says, then we could be in trouble. But I am going to say that we will improve. I think the squad is a bit happy, a bit happier with the squad, especially at the back. You know, I, I like how adaptable certain players are and how they can plug and play in, in different areas. And I'm going to go and say 18th, 19th for Huddersfield Town next season. And I do it's think. It's on my account through COVID. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> I, I'm going to say 18th, 19th, and that we're going to see a couple of players come through uh, and and do do quite well. Uh, and I think that will be successful. Huddersfield Town will be just to just to keep going in the right direction, uh, even if it's a couple of places. And and mostly, I think the success is going to have to be commercially as well to move Huddersfield Town forward, because ultimately, that's where the the money on the pitch comes from. It's from behind the scenes, whether Huddersfield fans like that or not. Uh, so I'm going for 19th. Uh, 18th, 19th, uh, but we're going to go for a predicted player of the year. So predicted player of the year and a predicted breakout player of the year. This is more fun, isn't it, than saying where Huddersfield Town are going to finish. So if, obviously, caveat this with if they are still here by the end of the season, um, it's it's obvious for me. I go on about him every week. I've got the con. I even bought a con from Amazon for a couple of quid. Josh Caroma is going to be the player of the year if he stays fit for me next year. He's Huddersfield Town's best player. He's Huddersfield Town's most exciting player. Uh, spectacular. A lot of the goals he scores are spectacular. 
Um, I'm a big fan of his, and I think come the end of next year, we, we may even see Josh Karoma move to a central striking position, in my opinion, because my breakout player is going to be Sorba Thomas. I think Sorba Thomas has got a great attitude. I think he's shown quite a lot in the earliness, you know, how keen from things I hear, he's really keen in training. You know, he really goes to the analysts and he really works at what he, what he does. Uh, apparently he's got a fantastic attitude. You know, he's, he's lost weight. He's, you know, become more muscular, fitter. Uh, I think Sorba Thomas will, will break through. And I think we could see Karoma shift centrally because, you know, the other, the, the elder strikers, the elder statesmen, if you like, of, of Rhodes, et cetera, perhaps, don't really float my boat in terms of starting. So I'm, I'm going to go for those two. Josh Karoma to be player of the year. Sorba Thomas as the breakout player of the year. Uh, and I'm going to turn it over to you, Mr. Porrick. Um, I was going to breakout player. Uh, I was going to suggest Thomas as well. Um, I think, again, seeing him at Southport, he, he was full of energy. Every time he got a ball, he looked to go forward with it, which, which I really like. Um I think he'll. I think he will come on leaps and bounds this season. I think, as you say, he'll, he'll be the sort of the breakout player from the from the pack of sort of. I won't say mediocre players because that's probably giving him a disservice. But do you know what I mean from the pack of the the rest. I think Thomas Thomas will, will stick out from there. Overall player at year, yeah, Karoma's probably in there for obvious reasons. Um, it's hard to say because I've not really seen many uh, much of any of the new signings, but I did like Matty Pearson himself, but I think, you know, as a former centre-half myself, I think that's a position that's often overlooked when you're looking at players of the year. It tends to go to more forward-thinking players, but if he can come in and steady that back, back floor, that, back, you know, whatever we decide to play it back, if he can sort of bring them together as an experienced player and bring bring them all on as, as footballers, then I think he will, he'll do a great job there. So he's with a shout. And then you've obviously got your others like Bryant, your, your Johnny Ogg, who tend to be fans' favourites, Pippa and, and Topple are probably with a shout. But um, overall, I think Matty Pearson has got the potential to be a really shrewd and, and good investment. So I'll, I'll go with him. Um, Matt Glennon, Nabisar? Uh, for half the season, yeah, and then for his uh, identical twin that turns up for other games as well, uh, with his boots on the wrong feet. Uh, no, I Scotty High coming through. I think I think he showed some good bits, some really good bits when he got his chances uh, end of last season. I think he's someone definitely to watch. I think he's been getting involved in pre-season games as well uh, with the first team from bits I've seen. Again, I'm going to pause as well. I think Mike Pearson because I know what Huddersfield Town fans like. They like commit. They like passion, they like commitment, they like people that never back down, they like hard workers. So Matty's going to be slipped straight into there. But I think uh, I'm going to go with you, Matty. It's got to be, it's got to be Karoma because you saw his goal against Harrogate the other day. He left the defender for dead, kneed it into the back of the goal using a different part of his body. You know what I mean? Sometimes you've got to be adaptable to your situation. He did that because he wasn't going to lift his leg up that high. Uh, and yeah, if he stays fit, he stays, you know what I mean? Physically fits, his weight stays right, everything's there. Uh, it, I was really disappointed when he got injured last year when he slept in that corner. And you think, oh, he's all right. He's, he's only slept on a banana skin. And it was like, bloody hell, he, he's out. And then it was a week, two weeks, three weeks. And, and then we didn't see him for months. I think a fit, you know what I mean, Josh Caroma, is, uh, is going to be someone that come January, time is going to be struggling to keep hold of. Yeah, thank you. Matt Wilson? Well, just to be, I obviously can't say uh, JK again because you've all, all said him, uh, although I do concur yeah. with his quality. But so I'm just going to go for Toffs. I think for me, he's like, um, he really like to say that he joined the team 
sort of partway through the year, um, I think that was right, in a, in a window, he just seemed to settle instantly and, and really kind of like almost become a bit of a talisman. And I think when he's playing well, we're doing well. Um, I love his energy and he's getting up and down. He has a bit of quality in that left peg. Looks like he's got a few goals in him as well. Hopefully he can stay fit. Uh, and I think it's just an easy, the way he plays, like he's just an easy guy to root for. So I'll go for Toffs. Uh, and then in terms of, the, I want to go for Levi. I don't know if he counts as a, I guess he does because he's not really broken through, has he? He's, he's 18. Um, so I, I'm going to go for him. I, I think from what I've seen of his, like, his YouTube clips and um, I, I just, I, I look at him, I think he looks like he's got the ability to kind of be the next great centre half that's coming into sort of like Chelsea's system or getting a Premier League loan next year. So I think he really makes his, a name for himself this year. The way the way he passes through the thirds was was frightening. I watched it. I know it was only people say it's only with South. Uh, who did he play against? I think it was Southport, wasn't it? He came. I played a second half, maybe the last yeah, week. But the, the way he the way he um, Norwich even Norwich. I watched uh, some of the Norwich friendly as well, and the way he passed out from the back uh, is well, phenom- passes, phenomenally good. Phenomenal. He passes past Jonathan Hoggy. See, that's why yeah. Matt Wilson likes him. So <laughs> <laughs> he goes he bypasses he bypasses Hoggy. So. He yes, carries it past so, him though as well, which right. is great. He carries he carries the ball. Um, you know, he, he does look a really exciting player. Really exciting player. Right, championship prediction. So we're going to widen the net, whip out the old crystal ball, and uh, have a look towards the championship as as Matt Wilson brings up odds checker just to see who's in the top few there. Actually, safe this year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just bringing yeah. Google up to see who's actually in championship. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Do you want a, do you want a minute? Pause? <laughs> So there's a number of new managers which make this really interesting for me at the top. Uh, for me, I think the last couple of seasons due to COVID, financially, I think the teams coming down have come down with a huge advantage in the last few years. They seem to have been been able to keep players as well a bit more than what they used to do. Uh, but you look at Bournemouth's squad. Bournemouth have barely lost anyone in, in the season in a bit. Maybe, you know, things could change. Um, Billings got interest in him and and whatnot, but they they have an, an outstanding side. Uh but my so I'm going to go top two first of all. Uh, the team that I've got winning the league, pause, is Fulham. Even, it, even if Marco Silva is useless, I just think the quality of player that they've got at Fulham is is ridiculous. Uh, you know they've just spent it 12 million on Harry Wilson as well, and Harry Wilson maybe didn't have an outstanding season last year for for Cardiff. He was good towards the end. Just think he scored an excellent hat trick, didn't he, towards the end? But his set piece delivery alone is just top class. You know, he's, he's a fantastic player, is Harry Wilson. I think he strengthens strengthens Fulham. And Mitrovic is still there, as far as I know, at the minute as well. And, you know, he bangs 25, 30 goals in for fun in this level. And if you've got one of those, then you've always got a chance of finishing the top two. So I'm going to go Fulham top. Uh, second place, I've actually gone for Sheffield United, uh, mainly because they got Slavisa Jukanovic in really early. Uh, he came in slightly earlier than everyone else. I think he's great. And I just look at McBurney and Rian Brewster, and they are players that have done well at this level but struggled to move that up to the Premier League, maybe a bit like Alex Pritchard before he signed for Huddersfield Town. And I just think there's goals there with McBurney and Brewster. Uh, maybe they're not... I'm going to caveat this and say maybe they're not quite all a Slavisa Jukanovic-style player yet. But you look at even Ollie Norwood there, and they've got a really good settled side. John Egan at the back. Uh, they're probably going to get 30 million quid for Aaron Ramsdale, which they can use elsewhere as well. So I, I think Sheffield United will, will also be up there. And my player four, uh, Bournemouth, who I've gone to win it. Sadly, I don't like Bournemouth. Um, I'm not going to go into that too much, but I'm not a massive fan of Scott Parker. But 
I think they've got enough you know, players-wise to get over the line. Uh, West Brom, gone for no shock so far, but I've also gone for Queen's Park Rangers. I think Queen's Park Rangers put together a really impressive run at the end of last season. I thought they were very, very good. They've strengthened well over the summer. Charlie Austin's coming permanently. And I look at him, Lyndon Dykes, uh, Elias Chair. They've strengthened the defence. They've brought in McCallum, who was good at Coventry. And I think QPR have actually got a really good shout of getting into this top six. Uh, and my last place, I'm undecided between Cardiff and Middlesbrough. Look at the, you know, Mick McCarthy versus Neil Warnock. That's a that's a that's an evening meal that you want to sit in on, isn't it, between those two? And um, I just think whoever has the best window towards the end between those two will nick the top six. Uh, between Cardiff and Middlesbrough, uh, but Bournemouth are my winners. I'm a dark horse. Is Luton Town? I think they've made a, some really good signings, and I think they could potentially improve on last year's 11th, 12th uh, place. So uh, I'll turn this over to Matt Glennon, who's looking really intrigued by my uh, waffle. Wow. I can't remember when you started. I, I think we're going to do the full league. I'm just seeing if you're still switched on there. Right, seventh place. I've got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could go through everyone's youth teams. Uh, I'm just thorough, Matt. You know, this is what I disagree with you. I think Bournemouth are going to be up there again. I agree with you, Fulham. I think Bournemouth are automatic. Okay, I think, yeah, I think he will. yeah, I think they will. I think they'll have a good year. Uh, the sun's always shining in Bournemouth as well, so I think they'll, they'll, they'll be right up there, top two with Fulham. I put, <laughs> shit. I put, uh, I put question mark Sheffield United just the way the season went last year, a bit like Huddersfield when you get beaten up for a full year. It's quite hard to bounce back when you've had you mean that that many that many disappointments in one season. I think my dark horse is going to be Stoke. You can't keep spending that kind of money and paying them kind of wages. And obviously they've got an experienced manager now without without having some sort of you know what I mean uh, promotion push or success. So I think Stoke are going to spend their way out of out of the division at some point because. Obviously, it's a woman who pays herself three hundred million pound a year dividends. Uh, <laughs> must be must be able to afford a couple of players here and there. Uh, West Brom again playoffs yet? Yeah, you normal, you normal people in uh, in there, uh, and I think your strugglers are going to be like your full cities, and who are still in, in a bad place. Think Derby going to struggle as well, and that's why I think that's why I think Huddersfield is as much as people have critics of the chairman of the club. Financially, they are stable. You know what I mean? The players are getting paid. I spoke to Jordan not long ago. He didn't been paid for 10 weeks. You know what I mean? It, it, they are a stable club. Players are getting paid. I mean, the training ground's immaculate. Thing, things are right. I know people, you know what I mean, have the, 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 the haters towards what's going on. I just think the stability of the club and the early business they've done means they'll be in front of some of these clubs who are a bit all over the place, especially with the pandemic as well and, and finances. It's... Uh, I, I think Huddersfield Town are in a bit better place than people think they are. Oh, who's going next? Pause. Who have you got? Well, based on absolutely zero research whatsoever, Matthew. Uh, I, I saw your ledger, mate. You've got a ledger there. <laughs> that you've been scribbling in. I was just on down. I didn't realise we were doing a championship. Uh, I think I agree with you. I think the, the teams that have come down are in a really good position this year. Just finance behind them. Just COVID and stuff like that. So, you know. You, you, your obvious one for uh, Sheffield United probably will be up there. I think what Matt says is right about Sheffield United. It's whether or not they can turn that losing mentality into a winning mentality quickly enough. Uh, if they get off to a, a bad start and don't pick up immediate results, will that hangover kick in and you know will they struggle? So you know again, I've not looked into 
too much detail about who's got who and who's got what. But Swansea, Forest, Cardiff, Middlesbrough, you know, they'll be knocking on Dara at the playoffs. I don't think Barnsley will be up there again this time round. But it's interesting because I know you, you joked about odds, you know, and stuff like that. But I think Peterborough are outsiders this time and they're only about 21, 22 to 1. So it just shows how tight it is because normally there's, there's a couple down there at you know, 250, 300 to 1 at least. And it just shows that it is quite a tight division. And, and if you do put a string of results together, you might, I know we talk about dark orders, but there might be two or three teams that surprise us this time around. It'll only take a chairman to think, you know what, this is, this is a good opportunity. Let's spend a little bit of money. And then all of a sudden it could propel them up. Um, That's why I'm so thinking Steve Gibson, no... Middlesbrough. He, he seems to be that kind of opportunist, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and you speak at QPR, and they're you know financially well off and stuff like that. So if a team's there or thereabouts in January, I can't see many teams splashing out like usual. So again, it all it'll take is someone in top top ten to to go out and buy two or three players, and or even bring a you know, you know, could make a push for promotion. I think it'll be a really good. Really... I know that's a really, no, that's a really... Well, I don't want to get caught being so ridiculous again, but I do think it will be, be quite open. Excellent. Uh, Matt Wilson? Well, I had a babe. I had a, I've got a newborn like about four weeks old, so I haven't done any research. I don't know who signed for anybody. Uh, I don't know what day it is. So I, I, I think <laughs> that, you know, I, I think that I concur with the, the whole Fulham um Sheffield United and um Bournemouth being sort of the top three. I think it's between them for the automatics and and, and I think that um uh, I think something about Blackburn who like over the last couple of years they've shown that they're capable of 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 scoring goals and and again I'm not sure what, whether they've kept hold of Dak and and what's the guy that was scoring the goals for them last year? Adam Armstrong. Um, I think they've had a bid for him. So I think they're expecting right. him to leave, yeah. They managed to keep hold of Armstrong. He looked like he's got goals in him. And it's when you see teams that put together where they're scoring four and five goals, you start to think that, you know, that there's there's something going on there. So uh, I think they could be a little bit of a dark horse. But, um, but I, I didn't know what to say about the bottom of the division. But um, I think what, what, what Matt Glennon said there was actually pretty smart. I think the organisation and getting your business done and, and I think that, you know, everybody looks at football as being the players on the pitch, but actually they're just such a, they're almost a manifestation of everything that, that's, that's behind that. Um, and I think that when there is unrest, when there is kind of chaos, that, that makes players not as good uh, as they are and it creates pressure and, and things like that. So, you know, whereas I think a lot of times fans look at it and they add it up like it's FIFA and you just, well, he's at pace 99 and he's a finishing ninth. But they're human beings that are a part of an environment. So you want you said stability. Yeah. You just want stability yeah. and you don't want uncertainty. That's what I mean. You want to concentrate on your game. Not, am I getting paid this week? Oh, is the training ground even going to be open this week? Is the manager going to be there? You just want consistency in your performances oh, and yeah. in your everyday life. And that's what we all want, really. And Yeah, in football, it, it very rarely happens. But when it does happen... It makes things a hell of a lot easier. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So I think that it's encouraging to hear that that some of these teams are probably in a bit worse condition with us off the pitch, and and therefore that that maybe uh, makes us a bit higher by default. Um, but yeah, that's all. I've nothing inspiring to say other than that, really. Mm. Uh, my bottom three, for for what it's worth, I had Derby bottom uh, just because of what's going on. It's everything's a bit of a mess over there. 
Uh, 23rd have gone for Blackpool because they seem to have uh, lost quite a few players. Um, but they've run quite well now. The Oysters are long gone. The, the guy that's come in, uh, the bloke who uh, I think he's a Blackpool fan, but he's got quite a lot of business out in Hong Kong, quite well off. So they could they could move. They've, they've signed the striker down to a new contract, which is key for them. So, uh, But I've also gone for Coventry and Hull. Coventry, I think Mark Robbins does a decent job, but they've lost a couple of couple of players and their their ownership, you know, CC oh, Coventry, you know, it's... Okay. I, I just look at them and I look at the alarms at Hull as well. And I just think, you know, potentially this, it, I think that, I think it's okay when you're winning games, everybody's like Poza said earlier, when you win games, everybody thinks that the sunshine and everything's great, but it's when you start losing and that's the decisions that come when you start losing. And when Hull went on that bad run last time they're in the championship, the alarms were not great owners. And I just think if they get on a bit of a, a bit of a run, then We've been trying to sell it for a long time. Obviously, I played for Hull, my yeah. friend Hull. He's not very well. He's been a poorly man for a long time. He has been trying to get I mean, get rid of the club for a while, so he's not got his money in. They did the same with North Ferriby. They own that as well, and they just pulled the plug. Again, it's down to personal, I think, personal reasons, and nobody's willing to go to the island of Hull to take over the uh, take over the club. No, one, no one's got a passport big enough to get over, go over to Hull these days, and say by the club, which is a good club, good fan base, but yeah, just in a sticky situation at the minute. Mm. Pos, did you give a bottom three in the end? No, mate, but I'll go with uh, Blackpool, Peterborough and someone else. <laughs> <laughs> they were yeah. outsiders to get in the playoffs, yeah. now you believe relegated. <laughs> <laughs> you said Dark Horse. Um, no, no, but, no. You, you, that you, you just play enough teams in enough positions, eventually you'll get one right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just name all 24. See, <laughs> kind of the roulette wheel, just throw your chips. Just throw them <laughs> chips on the on It the could board. be it could be one of those seasons, though, couldn't it? It could genuinely be one of those where nothing would surprise you. Just do everything that's happening at the moment. Yeah, like like the, the, the owner, Phil Hodgkinson, has been saying for a while, hasn't he, that you know football finances in, in a bit of a dire way. And I think did championship clubs didn't get much of a bailout, did they, in the end? So it's going to be interesting to see I think finance, you know, financials are going to play a, a huge part in how this pla- how this pans out, and that's pretty much why I think the three teams that come down from the Premier League are probably, you know, the top mm-hmm. three or four that go back up, and you know, the teams in the Championship. It's all about dodgy owners, isn't it? And all about owners that struggle to make ends meet. And I think it's really going to maybe strike home this year. Hopefully you can always but... you can always just sell your stadium to yourself, so it's never an issue. Yeah, or yeah. create a taxi firm, uh, yeah. yeah, something like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah, yeah, taxi, yeah, taxi <laughs> firms and stuff like that. Sponsor yourself. It's it's that easy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just put the right accounts in. That's all you've got to do. <laughs> yeah, Don't not put Harry the dog this time. You're all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> we certainly have uh, GM twenty. Seven Stadium, we know what's going on there, don't we? <laughs> don't pull that in either, that won't get sued. That, that, gets, cut. that gets cut from the final edit. Oh dear. Right, guys, I think that's all, all we've got time for, unless anybody's got any other business that's going forward to next season. Way past my bedtime, no. No, no, right, no we're all good. <laughs> guys, thank you very much for joining us for this episode, and uh, thank you very much to everybody that listens, and thank you to our sponsors, Magic Rock Brewing, for their con- uh, constant uh, sponsorship of the podcast. And we'll be back again when the season starts with a preview show with Brady and Josh. And we'll be back normally from Monday mornings onwards for you guys. So thank you again and uh, up the town.
there's a team that is dear to its followers The colors are bright blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all the while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say who can be the town today? And then the bells will ring so merrily, and every ghost shall be a memory. So, town, play up and bring that cup back to others. So town play up and bring the cup back to Hudders Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.